once again and welcome to episode 62 of B Boomer Unleashed, Life After High School Part 9. This week's episode centers on entrepreneurship. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episodes and all the episodes of B Boomer Unleashed. As you know, we've been talking about life after high school. In our first episode in this series, we talked about what uh, was available to baby boomers following high school. Then we talked with former student Josh Bloss and how he chose a path other than a four-year degree. We spoke with Frank Barnett, vocational director for Cabell County Schools, about opportunities available at career technical centers. Then we talked to Tracy McClanahan, who teaches career literacy at Barbersville Middle School, about how they were trying to prepare middle schoolers to choose a good career path. We talked with Tony Stroud, who is an attorney with Encova Insurance Company, about careers in law. We talked about what the experts are calling the 30 hottest college degrees to obtain in 2020. Then we talked about some good careers that don't necessarily require a college degree. And last week, we talked about careers with a calling, uh, particularly centering in on the ministry and missionary work. This week, we'll talk with Rich Edwards a bit about entrepreneurship, and we will go on location for a pre-recorded interview with Rich at Village Heirlooms Furniture. Before we go to that interview, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. You can also find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at bboomerunleashed, and on Twitter at bboomerunleashed1. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. Give us suggestions for future episodes. So without further ado, we're going to go to that pre-recorded interview with entrepreneur Rich Edwards. Well, we're here at uh, Village Heirloom Furniture today in, what is this, Taze Valley or Scott Depot or Hurricane? The address is Hurricane, but it's on Taze Valley Road. It's on Taze Valley Road, and we're talking to Rich Edwards today, and We've been uh, talking for the last few weeks and interviewed a few people about various occupations. We've done everything from talk to attorneys and and uh, vocational directors and, and other folks like that. And today I thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. And uh, we're actually coming to you from Village Heirlooms today in the store. So if you hear clocks chiming or if you hear the door opening or customers coming around, you'll know that we're live and on location today. And we're going to tell you a little bit about his store in particular later and what he's doing here in the Taze Valley area. But Rich uh, wasn't always an entrepreneur. Uh, He probably always had an entrepreneurial spirit. But Rich, tell us a little bit about your background first. Where did you come from and how did you get here? Well, I grew up in the country over in Lincoln County. Uh, For those that know anything about Lincoln County, uh, on Upper Mud River Road, uh, nearest post office was a little place called Myra. And uh, my dad worked away from home. Uh, He boarded, so he came home on weekends. And uh, because of that, I pretty much had the responsibility of the chores and all the things that went on. I like to tell folks we didn't farm vocationally we didn't live off the farm, but we uh, uh, 
grew all, everything that we that we ate pretty much. Uh, it was a, a subsistence farming. We butchered hogs and we butchered a, a beef and we raised chickens and had our own chicken meat and eggs and we smoked. We had a smokehouse and and uh, what we grew on the farm was either feed for the animals or feed for us. Uh, my mom would can anything and everything. We had a deep root cellar and. Did she ever can sausage? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. We, the canned sausage. I have some of the greatest memories of mm, canned sausage. Good stuff. Canned sausage, canned pork loin. Right. Another thing that's that really cans well from, from hog. So, uh, yeah, we, we just lived off of the farm. Uh, poorer than dirt, but I didn't know how poor we were until I got away from home. You know, we... We had every we had everything we needed to eat. Uh, my mom made most of our clothes, and and uh, my dad never made above minimum wage uh, his whole life. Uh, he, he he made even before minimum wage laws were established. He just was very low, very low wage guy. And after they established the minimum wages, that's the most he ever made. Wow. He, had, he had a fifth grade education and could barely read and write. So he was just a common laborer. Worked in the oil and gas fields most of his life, and. Uh, uh, so that's how I grew up, just a, a country boy who, who learned the value of hard work and, and uh, uh, went to a little school, uh, Hamlin High School, which no longer exists, but uh, my wife and I both were Hamlin High School grads. Uh, 60, now, who was the valedictorian and who was the valedictorian? Now, you're asking me questions. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> but, but since you ask, I, was, I, was a, I, was, I graduated first in the class, and she was number three. Right. Okay. And, uh, and we, we were good friends in high school, same class, never dated, though. Right. Uh, never really started dating until, uh, until I met you and, and your wife. And, right. we, and I started going, going to church with, with Jennifer right. uh, there where you all went to church and and, uh, you know, it just kind of spun off, and before you knew it, we were dating. Amen. And Rich is my brother-in-law, by the way. I probably failed to tell you that, but he's married to my wife's sister, and we've known each other for a long, long time. Uh, Rich, you went to, uh, where'd you go to college? You went uh, down to Blacksburg somewhere, uh, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I went to Virginia Tech, and uh, there's a long story, but I'll make that really short. Um, Again, we grew up in a poor family, and, and, and really nobody had ever gone to college out of my family. But um, I was blessed, uh, and, I, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, with some academic abilities. And I had a cousin who, uh, by marriage who, who kind of took me under his wing and wanted to make sure that I got to college. Quite frankly, if it wasn't for him, I probably would have never gone to college. I would have just been like the rest of my family. Well, one question on that. What's a hokey, Virginia Tech? What is a hokey, anyway? <laughs> it's a totally made-up word. Uh, a lot of people have asked that. Uh, it literally was just a made-up word because it needed to rhyme with another word. They were making up a cheer, and uh, and they needed something to rhyme, and I forget what they were rhyming with. It wasn't the hokey-pokey, was it? No, no, no. <laughs> it went something like this. Hokey, 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 high. Tech, tech, VPI. And I don't remember the rest of it, but the word hokey was totally manufactured uh, to rhyme with another word in that cheer, which I've totally forgotten about. <laughs> That's where hokey came from. Now, you were a computer guy. You were uh, majored in the computers or computer engineering. Was it computers or computer engineering? Computer science. Computer science. Mm -hmm. And you were a corporate guy for a while. You went to work for, I was. back then it was Ashland Oil, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, again, because of finances, um, 
Uh, I wound up going to Virginia Tech, even though it was out of state. They gave me the best financial aid package of anywhere that I applied. And that was the alma mater of this cousin that I, that I mentioned. Uh, he took me down there to visit the school and, and uh, helped with all the applications and things. But at the end of the day, I would have wound up going wherever I got the most financial aid. It just happened to be Virginia Tech. And um, got a great financial aid package there and, and went down to major, actually went down to major in chemical engineering because that's what he was. So I was kind of, you know, he was right. following in his footsteps. And I still didn't have enough money to, to make it all the way through, so I did a program that a lot of technical schools have called co-oping. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, the simplest uh, idea of it is you go to school one term and then you work one term. And, and the, the university helps you find a corporate job. And there are a lot of corporations that hire what they call co-op students. And uh, I wanted to work somewhere close to West Virginia, so... I looked at the, the companies that were available for chemical engineering, and Ashton Oil was one of them. So I went there to interview, and, uh, and they, they actually interviewed me for two, two positions. One was actually in the R&D department at the plant, and the other one was out at their corporate headquarters, which used to be there just outside of Ashland. It's in Lexington now. And uh, they interviewed me for both positions, and they made me an offer for both positions. And so uh, I thought about it for a few days. And even as a, at that time, a 19-year-old, I kind of had a, a vision for my future that I wanted to be in management. And um, so I thought, well, you know, I'm majoring in chemical engineering, but I'd like to rub shoulders with these corporate executives. Right. And so I took the offer to be out to corporate headquarters, not knowing really what I was going to be doing. Uh, and and so what that job wound up being, though, they introduced me to uh, uh, to computers. Back in that day, way before PCs, if you if a, if a department manager wanted to have a report on something, and if it wasn't already a canned report, you had to go through the computer science department, and that took weeks and sometimes months <laughs> to get a simple report. Right. And so this one department had come up with an idea and it was working well. They were hiring co-op students. And having those co-op students write reports for them. Wow! And uh, now you can do it on an iPhone. You can do it on an <laughs> iPhone now. So, so I majored in computer science, or and went down there to major in chemical engineering. And, and of course, as engineers, you take computer courses. Right. And uh, very first semester, you take you start taking computer courses. I'd never had one before. Again, it was before you even thought about this in most high schools. And I loved the computer classes that I that I got in engineering. And it was kind of like a duck in water. I literally would wind up the end of, this, of the term with a, a greater than 100 average on tests and quizzes and extra credit. Right. It was just, I was, like, I was a natural computer science. Wow. And that's what I was doing at my, at my co-op job. And so after two years of majoring in chemical engineering, uh, I finally went to my boss at Ashton Oil and I said, I was afraid I might lose my job because up until that time, Ashland only had engineering co-ops. But I told him I wanted to change majors uh, if it didn't cost me my co-op job. And he said, that's fine. So after two years, I switched to computer science. Wow. And then went to work for Ashland after college and, and was with them almost 10 years. Yeah. And back in those days, they were a Fortune 50 company. Yeah, that was a big, uh, big mm -hmm. operation. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you never know when you go down a road uh, where where it might take you. But um, 
being a computer guy at Ashland Oil, wearing the shirt and tie and the, the nine to five or the eight to four, or whatever, that's a long ways from uh, operating a furniture store here in uh, <laughs> here in Taze Valley. And I know you've had mm. some other stops in mm-hmm. between. So, what uh, what was the rationale or what was the catalyst? I guess would be a better word uh, to propel you from the corporate world to um, you know, an entrepreneurial. Um. Well, uh, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Sure. Um, and and kind of restate something you said earlier that I hadn't always been an entrepreneur. I think I always have been, actually. Well, I think you kind of are. Uh, uh, I, I started my first business when I was nine years old. Right. Uh, I built birdhouses and sold them to neighbors. Yeah. And had had bird, my birdhouses hung from trees and Every every house anywhere close to us because right. I, I I just did that I built birdhouses and sold them. Uh, a lot of folks that are in our generation may remember a company called Mason Shoes. Right. And I was a Mason Shoes salesman. Yeah. I used to sell Mason Shoes. Oh, it used to be a lot of peddlers. We had Mason Shoes and Nap Shoes and yep. McNess and uh, Raleigh and all kinds of guys coming around selling stuff out of their out of their suitcases. You mm-hmm. know. I actually sold wood-burning stoves for a guy at one time. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just to kind of try to accelerate that, I was always selling things. And because I was selling Mason shoes, a little story here. Again, folks in our generation probably will remember Green Acres and and uh, the guy Mr. Haney, the character Mr. Oh, Haney yeah. on there. And he was always Johnny on the spot with selling whatever it is that, that I think it was Oliver, Oliver Green was the, right. you know, the, and, and he, you know, he would always pull up with this truck and roll up the sides of it and have whatever he needed to sell there. Yeah. Well, I came into my office and it, you know, it, it was a very corporate world, very staid back, it was back in the day when everybody wore suits and ties to work. Right. Came into my office one morning and the name tag on my office had been had been moved out and a handwritten name tag put in they said Mr. Haney. <laughs> and so that, that kind of is indicative of, of the opinion that my co-workers had of me that I was always selling something. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so, so uh, like I said, I was with Ashland about almost 10 years and, and this little, you know, major innovation thing called personal computers came onto the scene. And uh, they were very rapidly changing things. And, you know, again, part of my entrepreneurial spirit, uh, I got the itch to, to get into that business. And so I got into the personal computer business in its infancy uh, and moved back to West Virginia. Uh, at, by, by then, we had been transferred to Lexington because Ashland started moving everybody to Lexington. Right. And we got moved. I, I I quit that corporate job. Everybody thought I had just lost it because I had the you know had the successful career, you know young young executive and climbing the ladder and you know nice house in a subdivision with the white picket fence and make enough money that my wife could stay home with at that time our our three first children, and uh, I I decided to leave all that and start a computer store. Yeah. And so we moved to Charleston, West Virginia in 1985, and I opened one of the very first computer stores in West Virginia. Yeah, I remember it was a great, uh, great operation, and boy, has the face of that business changed over mm-hmm. the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, um, it, it was extremely successful, even from, from the get-go, and um, 
went very well until the major manufacturers started um, uh, basically cutting off the people that brought them to the table. Uh, yeah. you know, the IBMs of the world and the Compacts at that time and the Hewlett Packards and the Apples. Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, for the first several years of that industry, everything went through a dealer, just like cars right. go through dealers. Right. And this little startup company down in Texas came on the scene, a little company called Dell. Mm -hmm. And Dell had a totally different business model, and they sold direct. They didn't have any dealers. Right. And they started selling direct to uh, major corporations, and and they were eating the cake of, oh, the, yeah. of the big companies. And they started panicking and they started cutting the dealers out so they could sell direct. Yeah, that's that's about, what the same, to it. about the same time Al Gore invented the internet, wasn't yeah, it? About, and, and pretty much the same time. A yeah. lot of on, online things and, that, and yeah. that's changed, changed the face of a lot of businesses, you know. Yeah. A lot of brick and mortar businesses uh, have, have gone Absolutely. online. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Dell, Dell, led, Dell basically led that industry uh, in, in the direct sales, both both directly, but the internet's what enabled them to do that. So that's really what changed. And I saw the handwriting on the wall. And uh, after 12 years, uh, I sold that business uh, while there was still some value to it. And uh, uh, still stayed in the IT business, though. Right. I, I got out of the products. And uh, so ever since 1997, my primary businesses have always been involved in computer people. Right. I basically uh, have a, still have a company today. You know, I got into that business in 1997, and still today I'm in the business of uh, uh, of helping uh, helping other businesses find computer employees. Right. We either help them hire them, or we provide contractors to them right. to do computer work. Good. It's kind of like uh, you know we're talking about different kinds of entrepreneurship. You got your <laughs> brick and mortar, and then you've got your uh, internet uh, entrepreneurs that get out and sell stuff online, and you got uh, the gig entrepreneurs that uh, like they've got a gig, like a musician's got a gig. These guys have a special talent, and there's a lot of people willing to hire those people as consultants, not actually as an employee, but to bring them on board to do a specific task. Absolutely. And, uh, so that, so that kind of, I still have that business. I'm still doing that in addition to this furniture right. store, but. Um, uh, how, so how did I get into the furniture business? Well, my wife and I made a, like a lot of folks do, we we took a tourist trip to Amish country. Had, right. We'd never been there. And we went up to the Amish country there in, in uh, north central Ohio, uh, just outside, you know, in the Sugar Creek area. A lot of folks know where that is. And uh, we were just, just being tourists and visiting around. <coughs> Excuse me. And I came across... This, uh, we stopped at a, at a guy who was building outdoor furniture. I'd never seen it before, but it was it was furniture made out of what he called Pollywood. Right. And I had never seen that before. And he started telling us, you know, some of the wonderful characteristics of that. And it's actually recycled milk jugs. But it's amazing stuff. And I instantly realized what good stuff it was. And I bought a glider on that trip. And I had a Suburban at the time, and we put that glider in the back of my Suburban and brought it home, yeah. put it on our porch, and loved it. And I started thinking, you know, this is an amazing product, and there's obviously hundreds of thousands of people, millions maybe like me, that have never heard of it, right? unless they happen to be close to an, a place, you know, an Amish community. 
So again, the entrepreneur in me start thinking, so how do people that don't live within driving distance of an Amish community get this kind of stuff? Right. And so I merged my entrepreneur spirit with my computer background, and I decided to open up an e-commerce store selling this Hollywood furniture. Right. And uh, so that's how I really got into it initially. I, I was I was reselling reselling this stuff on the. It was an internet only business. Right. And I and I was shipping the stuff all over the United States. Wow. Literally. And um, so I, you know, I would be going back up to Amish country and visiting my my primary vendor that I was using, and see, I never touched the stuff. I would take the orders, you know, all automated. It would, I would, it would place people placed orders on my website, and then purchase orders went to my supplier, and they shipped it. Right. I never touched it. Right. And I was up there visiting once, and and he said, "Are you going to the furniture show?" And I said, "What furniture show?" And he said, "Well." He said, there's a couple of big shows up here every year where hundreds of Amish builders all get together, and it's kind of like a trade show, and it's only for furniture dealers. All the booths are Amish builders, and all the public coming in are, are furniture dealers. Right. I thought, well, that kind of sounds like fun. So I went to that show and was just blown away with all of this beautiful wood furniture, anything you could imagine, yeah, beautiful wood furniture. And I became enthralled with it. And I thought, i got to figure out a way to sell this on the Internet, with, along with my outdoor furniture. But it turned out that that was too challenging. I mean, there are people doing it, mind yeah, you, already. But there's, but there's so much customization. You know, every piece of furniture can be built with different styles and different woods and different stains and different hardware. And I did not have the time to develop a sophisticated enough website to do that. That, right. was, that was a challenge. I just didn't, because my other business was thriving. But that led me then, my mind, you know, little wheels in my mind kept spinning, and I I kept thinking, I'm looking around what's, you know, what's available in the Charleston-Huntington area. And uh, it led me to think, well, you know, I don't have time to uh, to build this type of sophisticated website, but I really think a brick-and-mortar store might work. Right. And so that was the, that was the initial seed that led me to where we are today here with Village Heirlooms. Well, you know, and there are some products, and I think furniture is probably one of them. And sure, you can order furniture online. People do it all the time. Uh, but furniture for most people is something that they want to feel and touch and sit in and look at. And like I say, with this Amish furniture, there's so much customization that's available. I mean... My first experience with Amish furniture was way before you got into the business when I bought uh, from a uh, uh, furniture uh, store up in Amish country uh, uh, executive desks for the uh, school where I was principal. We bought it for the principal and the two assistant principals, bought solid oak furniture for the secretaries and the counselors. And the thing about this furniture that's different than what you get from someplace else. It's all solid wood. And like the furniture we bought for Barbersville Middle School for those offices, it'll probably still be there when they tear that building down. Absolutely. You know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great product, and I think it lends itself to a brick-and-mortar atmosphere, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, the name of our business really connotates this kind of furniture. Our, you know, the business is village heirlooms. Yeah. Everything that we sell here is going to be an heirloom in that family. Sure. Somebody will, somebody will have that thing. My mom and dad, uh, oh, 40 years ago, probably, 
bought a, uh, a couch table and a, a little uh, deacon bench up in Amish country uh, from a dealer up there. And uh, it still looks new today. And uh, Mom always says, you know, don't don't let that get away. You know, you be <laughs> sure, you know. So uh, Mom's still living. She's 93. And uh, she's enjoyed that furniture all these years. And, you know, it's uh, it's good stuff. And it's poly furniture. My goodness, it lasts a thousand years. Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. just... Indestructible. It's indestructible. It really is. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, matter of fact, one of the local pools here recently, I think you sold a lot of the yeah. outdoor furniture. Yeah. There's, there's probably a lot of folks that, that are familiar with Valley Park and, and it operates the Wave Pool. And they did a major uh, renovation and, and built a new convention center, but they, they, they basically got rid of everything they had and got all new pool furniture and uh, I was fortunate enough to, to win that bid and uh, so all the pool furniture over at the Wave Pool uh, yeah. came from us. Amish made furniture at the Wave Pool. That's great. It's great stuff and it's you know it's not when people think of poly furniture I think a lot of people think of these little three dollar chairs you get at Walmart or something that mm-hmm. blow off the porch every time the the wind blows but that's not what this stuff is. This mm-hmm. is this is heavy duty stuff mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's built to last, but yeah, uh, yeah it, and and you guys, you you got another business too, don't you? Don't you have? Uh, yeah, but I want to I want to I want to make one comment more about the outdoor sure. furniture. Sure. Um, this this the, 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 there's several Amish builders that make this, but you know I did some homework and visited most of them and and uh, picked out what I believe is the the cream of the crop That's as far Cadillac. as the builders, the Cadillac of of, of the Hollywood furniture. Uh, my builder's got about 250 stores that sell his product. And just just two weeks ago, we, we were named again as, for the third straight year, one of his top 20 dealers. Wow. Out of 250, right here in Little Old Hurricane, West Virginia. That's great. I know you, you sell a lot of this stuff, and it's, but it's good stuff. Yeah. But you guys got a card shop up the road, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm... Uh, I like to tell folks, um, you know, you've heard of serial killers. Right. Uh, well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Right. Um, I just, just, can't, just can't stand it, can you? I you just can't it? stand, you know, <laughs> passing up an opportunity. And about about three years ago, uh, the the Hallmark store right. here in Herc and in, in the Liberty Square Shopping Center, I was in there buying a card for Jennifer. And, and one of the ladies that works there it was a friend of mine. And and just out of the blue, I was in there, and, and uh, she said, Rich, why don't you buy this store? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, the owner's up, owner's up in his 80s, and uh, he's, he's just ready to, to get out of the business, and he's either going to sell it or close it, yep. one of the two. And she said, I think you ought to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for good friends. Huh? Uh, so she gave, I said, I, the first mistake I made was, well, give me his name and his phone number. <laughs> so I gave him a call, and, and uh, we got together for lunch a couple weeks after that. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it just seemed like a great opportunity. I mean, folks love Hallmark, and, and they love the... You know, not just the cards, but all the gifts you can get there. I like to tell folks we're not a card shop. We're a gift shop that sells cards. Right, right. So, you sell fudge, too, don't you? Yeah, and, and I branched in just last fall making homemade fudge, and that's gone really well. People love our homemade fudge. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've had some. It's good stuff. <laughs> 
Well, we're just about out of time for this episode, but uh, if we decide to come back sometime, could we uh, talk more about maybe just Amish craftsmanship and maybe talk about uh, the economics of uh, of entrepreneurship? Could we, yeah. could we do that? would love to do that. Just as a teaser for that, uh, something that always surprises folks that, that hadn't thought about this, but, um, you know, when you talk about employers and business, Everybody just, you know, you hear about the Fortune 50 and the Fortune 500, and everybody just assumes that most folks are employed in those big corporations. Right, right. But do you know that 80% of the people in this country are employed in small businesses? Oh, yeah. That's an amazing statistic. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, small business is, the, I think, the backbone of this country. It and, is. And, you know, although I've worked for until uh, I retired in the public education system as a teacher and a principal and a personnel manager, I've always had some something going on the side too, you know. I had, uh, you know, we sold wood stoves at a UPS store. We took wedding photographs. We re- developed real estate. So I mean, I think if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, you got to do something. Just like this podcast, you know, it's a strictly non-monetized podcast, you know, but it's something that I enjoy doing. And um, I, uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners, a lot of followers, and they look forward to a new episode uh, every Monday. And it, uh, my wife says, it gives me something to do, keeps me off the mm-hmm. street, you know, keeps me from spending <laughs> money somewhere. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's good. So uh, yeah, we'd like to come and and talk again about uh, about some other subjects. So before we go though, uh, tell us how folks can find. Village Heirlooms, if they want to come and look at some of this fine furniture. I mean, we're sitting in the showroom now, and you've got all kinds of stuff, but usually people don't buy off the showroom floor. They special order, but you've got things here that people can touch and feel and see mm-hmm. see the quality of it. So if they wanted to come by and look, how do they how do they find you? Rich? Well, we're, we're on Taze Valley Road uh, in between the I-64 Hurricane exit and the I-64 Taze Valley exit. Right. And uh, if you're coming from, if you're coming from Huntington that direction, you would get off at at the Hurricane exit and follow the signs for Route 34, and uh, which is Taze Valley Road. They're one and the same coming up through the valley here, and just head north on Route 34. And okay. we're we're about a mile and a half from that side. If you're coming from Charleston, you would get off at the Taze Valley exit. Again, just follow the signs for Route 34 south. Right. And we're about three miles from that exit. Okay, that's good. So, and how about the website or Facebook page? You got well, anything like that? Um, my my standards for websites are very high. Right. And so I don't have a website because of the development effort to build something that I would be happy with. Right. Because I'm a computer guy. I know. And uh, we just haven't developed a website. But we do have a Facebook presence, a very active Facebook presence. You can find us. Just search for Village Heirlooms on Village Facebook. Village Heirlooms on Facebook, and uh, you'll be you'll be right there. Well, Rich, thanks so much for being on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast today, and uh, we'll uh, do this again sometime. And good luck to you, and and, uh, be excited to hear what your next venture is going to be. Well, thanks for inviting me. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. All right, thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Rich Edwards there, serial entrepreneur, and Rich has a great business there in Taze Valley and been successful at just about everything he's tried. And uh, we enjoyed our visit with him, and hopefully you did too. Next week, I think we're going to talk about maybe apprenticeship and then move on to the military. 
I really thought we might be finished with this series before now, but every time I turn around, one of our listeners say, well, why don't you do an episode on this? Or why don't you do an episode on that? Somebody called me last week and wanted to know if we could do something about entrepreneurship. So there you have it. So be Boomer Unleashed. You can change the subject matter. You got an idea, email it to us and we'll be happy to uh, uh, cover that. If you're in business or you have an occupation you'd like to talk about, just uh, drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. We would be happy to talk to you about that too. So uh, next week, we'll be back with another episode of Life After High School. And then when we finish that series, like I've promised you, we're going to go through the history of music from B-Boomer days, baby boomer days up to the present. Well, listen, it's been great being with you. We appreciate you uh, tuning in to B-Boomer Unleashed once again. Wouldn't be much fun without you. So, until we meet again, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.